Okay. Welcome to book club. So this month, our first book, we've done Girl, Boy, Girl, How I Became J.T. Leroy by Savannah Knoop. Is that how we say it? I'm not going to attempt it, so okay. um, we'll go with that. Because I would say Knoop, because, but I, I, I guess, I, but I, I think, they, I think they say the K, because when I, when I saw some interviews with them, they said Knoop, so. Um, the details about, so the film was directed by Justin Kelly, um, and then the script was done by Savannah and Justin Kelly adapted the book for the film. Um, so Sean and Ellie have read wow. both Sean, the, get a shout out. both the the books by the actual author Laura Albert. Uh, I've seen the doc documentary author, so we did lots of extra homework this month, which is good. Um, the blurb is when Savannah Knoop was unmasked as the face of the mysterious author J.T. Leroy in 2005, one of the biggest <laughs> literary hoaxes of the modern era was revealed. <laughs> girl, boy, girl tells the story of how a young queer college dropout <laughs> comes to portray the liter literary wonderkin J.T. Leroy. <laughs> Nothing weird is happening right now. <laughs> A persona created by Knoop's sister-in-law. For six years, Knoop led a secret double life, traveling through the looking glass of celebrity to find liberation and alienation in equal measures. Knoop's entanglement with JT and his creator was a game played at the very limits of self-expression, one that cha changed Knoop's sense of self forever. This edition includes a new forward by the author, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's interesting. So, the characters are played... Um, Savannah Knoop, who is acting as JT the Roy, is played by Kirsten Stewart, and Laura Dern plays um, Laura Albert. Correct. Um, and then the other ones aren't really important, the other actors I don't. Oh, no, actually, Diane Kruger plays the fictional version of Aza Argento, whose name doesn't really matter, the character's name, because it's meant to represent her. Uh, um, and we've all seen the film and read the book. Correct. So, uh, preferences of the book versus the film for our first round. Book. Uh, no preference. I thought they were both pretty shit. <laughs> I thought they are both so-so, mediocre, kind of throwaway. Do I I read JT Leroy's actual book, like the Sarah and the Heart yeah. sequel, when I was like 18, and I thought they were amazing. Like they like I was really into them. So when I came to this book, I felt like it was someone trying to write like that, but not yes. quite getting that. But then I watched the film, and I prefer the book. Yeah. Is my short story there? Okay. So I didn't think the book was that great, and then I saw the film, and I actually thought I preferred the book. In the book, you see these like little literary flourishes of Savannah, like trying to do these sort of little writer things, mm -hmm. but she's really not a writer. I honestly almost didn't get through the prologue because I was like, so poorly this written. This needed an edit. Just yeah. like, why was no one editing this? I felt like they just let her. Well, the book is go. just scenes of when she's interacting with famous people. Mm -hmm. Really, mm. there isn't any like real kind of delving into her relationship with Laura and her brother and what was happening in her life. It, it was at a very superficial level, I felt. Just like well, your thoughts on the book, though. Uh, well, let me talk about the book. Yeah. As opposed to through the prism of the film oh, and yeah. what I thought the book accomplished better, even though, again, I don't think it was terribly... Well written. <laughs> well written. 
But the film seemed, and especially that she had some involvement in it, it seemed to be a way to want to uh, acknowledge or justify what she did. Whereas in the book, I don't find that she's necessarily that self-aware through any of the stages of what she was of the performance that she was... She's having fun. She's enjoying the experience. Right. And in the film, I sense that they have a series of earnest conversations together about identity politics. And I kept thinking, I I don't believe the two of you had these conversations. From what I read in the book, it was somewhat of a lark, what you were doing. And you were probably caught up in the trajectory of this... uh, Celebrity, yeah, yeah, being very close to these celebrities and the rush that that probably gave you. But even in the book, she gives you a sense of the possible pathologies that were driving both of them, which I don't believe the film. I love both Laura Dern and Kristen Stewart. I love what some things they've done, but it seemed that they were too tidy. In their presentations, these weren't two people coming from really complex or complicated backgrounds. Unfortunately, Laura Dern to me appeared to just be a bohemian in the film. Just a hippie. A hippie, a, a, very neo, a neo hippie, who was very aware of what she was doing and, and seemed to have a, a very have it organized. Unfortunately, she didn't see trouble. And the few scenes that they were given where they explained themselves, it was just merely explanation. It wasn't inhabited. I don't feel they were inhabited. I don't feel that either one of them came from backgrounds of, of great trouble or, as they're talking about yeah. in the book here, when they were both overweight and yeah, they had both had issues with their bodies. Yeah, Savannah was dealing with anorexia, and then yeah. Laura was dealing with bulimia, and just, yeah. And I don't believe, look at Christian Stewart and Laura Dern in that film, that they were, had ever gone through anything like that. No, it, it didn't add anything to that the book had given you. It didn't dive deeper, which I Well, I felt like in terms of, of that particular element, they completely stripped that out of the film. Yeah. There was no relationship with food. I don't think we ever really saw the They kind of alluded to it a little token bit. token giving of chocolate at the very the beginning. The cookies when she says they give you but curves. But in the book, that relationship is actually one of the most interesting parts to me, and they just yeah. completely stripped that out. Because that's, what bo- that's kind of their bond that keeps them together. Mm-hmm. They're sort of... You know, both dealing with that and it's unspoken and how they understand each other because but also of that. there's so many dinner scenes. Yeah. Like a lot of the action takes place around mm-hmm. a big dinner table with lot like with new family. influential people every time or with family. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah, I don't think they had one of those um, in the song trail. Sure. Uh, this is gonna sound very harsh. For a book talking about the real life events of a woman impersonating a famous author and schmoozing and interacting with Hollywood celebrities, musicians, all manner of of, uh, Americana celebrity, um, it just felt so boring. (laughs) Like, how... I, I, I worry that it's because because Savannah did live these things and it's presented to you in such a, a weirdly matter-of-fact manner that there seems to be no gravitas or or danger or excitement to any of these things. It's just like, yeah, so I was fucking this amazing like Hollywood actress. Oh, yeah, I did some drugs with these famous photographers. It just felt very much like this is just things I'm doing. Yeah. And it didn't feel like 
she didn't present them in a way that felt like she was excited by these things and that's why she was pursuing them. Like, you, it becomes very apparent that the reason she likes being JT Leroy is because it's a much more exciting life than the one she's living. She's living like a very normal life outside of that in terms of like relationships with her boyfriend and she worked at a restaurant and stuff Um, but it just feels like she's she's almost bored by it but yet still compelled to but I don't think that's the case at all I think she's incredibly excited by it I didn't feel that at all I mean the movie didn't do any better job of conveying I thought Pearson Stewart actually did uh, Savannah Canoe a disservice because in watching the documentary and interviews with her she was very chatty and like really in it and she could do the accent and had a lot of personality as JT Leroy and was very sort of engaging with people. Whereas like Kirsten Stewart sort of played her as this really insular sort of so nervous by any human presence which you don't really see. I, d- I don't know where she got that version of her and took like this very sort of scared person where I felt like, especially in how Savannah describes becoming JT, she kind of becomes bigger than life and this new person and she's so enthralled and excited to like play this person where Kirsten Stewart doesn't seem happy or excited when she's being JT. Mm. Well, and, and unfortunately the film further defangs everything because obviously for legal reasons they couldn't actually name the people like they do in the book. Yeah. So it doesn't, it loses a lot of uh, of that fearlessness by not being able to say this is Asia Argento. They have they have to completely excise the scene with Gus Van Sant, which in the book is one of the most interesting scenes because it's such a high wire act going on around that table. That Carrie Fisher scene in the book, which is actually really is really interesting, and Carrie Fisher I feel like is one of the few people who like really saw through what was happening, and she was like, "What the fuck is going on? This is not okay. This situation," and really like calls him out on the bullshit. Whereas you don't, it's very superficial and kind of throwaway in the film and it's kind of disappointing that you don't get that person really kind of... I mean, half the thrill of it is that the people with whom they're interacting in Hollywood are very well-known figures. Yeah. So to suddenly fictionalize them in the film loses a tremendous sense of the drive yeah. of the piece. Yeah. And I think you're right. I get why you can't you name. can't have them and name them for legal reasons, but it's just like, then what's the point? Yeah, then don't make the film. Yeah. Or make but a different also, film. Yeah. Like, like with... The actual Sarah and the heart, you know, they're sort of like fictional, but they're meant to be like true stories. Then do something like that. Do a like fictional true story and really go for it instead of making this very matter of fact, but boring version of something so scandalous and fascinating. I, yeah, I mean, I think Savannah Knoop also thinks her story is more interesting than it actually is. I also think she thinks that it's, I felt reading it that they felt there was a really wide awareness of what happened, like everyone knows this story and you know, it's like a worldwide scandal. I didn't hear about it. If you hadn't ever read the book or encountered the author, I think reading that would be 
Because we were, you'd be like, why would I care? Because you don't have that context. I mean, we were all in our teens in 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. I'd never heard of it. I feel like I was socially aware of stuff going on. See, I read the books, but I had no idea of the backstory. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't reading the New York Times, so. I mean. Is what they did fraudulent, or was it just a ruse that happened to prolong itself? Well, I feel that at a certain point it does cross over into fraud. That was the thing which I was like, I feel like, shouldn't Laura Albert have been smart enough to know not to like sign contracts and legal documents in a fake name because that would make them null and void? But this is the problem. There's there's all this. There's so many questions. Like boring admin minutiae to it. But it's the the publisher of the books, do they not know Laura Albert? I don't understand the finances as well. It's like, again, like Carrie Fisher says, where is the money? Even in watching the documentary, I was like, where was the money going? Because you're mm. getting money from the royalties of these books. But then they're not successful. quite just pseudonyms, so maybe it was just... And then but the publisher would have known because they have to pay her. But how yeah, but the publishers... You have to pay taxes and have a bank account. Yeah, true. The publishers may have known that JT the Royal was a... A student. Yeah. But at what point do the publishers usually have to step in when someone else is pret- go, pretending yeah, to be JT Leroy? True, yeah. Like, they surely, never explain any of this. Yeah. Having, that's that's more someone, interesting. As right? someone who works in publishing, even if you have a pseudonym, your bank account has to have your real yeah, name. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. And you have to file taxes on the money you're making from these books, mm-hmm. and that has to have your real name on it. I mean, it. Maybe, that's maybe that's what it comes for, is that maybe she's not doing any of these things, and that's yeah. why it's for us. That but, is like, a talk about that. But, these but things, then she like, couldn't prolong it for a decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think. I don't. I, don't th- I think by then it would have been found out by someone within the publishing world. publishing world, financial world. They would have come to call. I don't believe the. Pu- but also, okay. I, I don't want to stray too much from the book, but in the documentary with Laura Albert, there were people she had told way before anyone found out. So David Minch, who is the creator of Deadwood. She told him. Oh, Billy, she fucking loves him, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah. They're really good friends. Billy Corgan, who was one of her confidants, knew about it. Um, there were tons of people that she had told within this circle, which, again, I think because Savannah Canoop wasn't privy to any of that stuff, she doesn't realize the other layers of stuff that was going on behind her because she was just the avatar. She wasn't the person actually having to deal and coordinate this big circus. What we wanted to read was this book by Laura. Yeah. Would have been great. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I still don't understand why. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Why she wrote it under JC Leroy? Why she had Savannah pretend you to have be? To, you have to watch the documentary. She talks about the fact that, like, when she was in the home when she was a kid, which they briefly mention, because she her parents put her in a mental institute when she was a like preteen, and then her parents had to give up their paternal rights to her and then she went into a foster care home and because she was so scared to reveal about the abuse that she was getting she would call the suicide hotline and just like be oh, a she, fake person she talked about that in the, yeah. in the and movie so as well this is kept this going on and she had been doing jt leroy in her early 20s as well but she had stopped and then picked it back up later so this was a character from her like teenage years yeah to like as a way for her to deal with the sexual abuse that she was having and also Sarah is based off of one of her friends from the home but that's a more interesting story I know, isn't it? this is so much more interesting About it, but it's, it's almost as if the two characters or the two characters the, t- the two people want to completely deny 
their knowledge of their history yeah. that led them to the point. We only really get to know them from the point yeah. of when this starts. When Savannah starts, right. enters into the picture. And, of course, the, the idea of not wanting to explore that is more interesting than what is then explored. Yeah. It, because I'm, one of the big questions is, J.T. Leroy, yeah. is that history we read from her, the novels, her history. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, you, because she's never acknowledged that that is a part of her. Yeah. yeah. And I can see how if, if she did write those novels and as herself and publish them, would they have had the same kind of uh, impact that they did with her as the image of it, yeah. rather than a transsexual and person. But also, the, the book says fiction on it. <laughs> Sarah and the heart. Mm -hmm. And people kept taking it as fact, even though she never said it was. So that whole thing about like a hoax of making up this life, it is made up, it's fiction. Yeah. I honestly think some of it stems from people believing that someone couldn't come up because some of it's pretty messed up. Like I feel like people don't want to believe that someone could just completely pull that out of thin air. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't want to believe that that's just buried in someone's mind somewhere. There has to be really some dark. kind of yeah, like because it gets yeah. to some level. The books are beautifully written, but it's fucking horrendous. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, they're not light reads, are they? So I think maybe that's why. But there, there, there's there's something really interesting about someone who is uh, so against showing herself that she would go to the lengths to create these avatars. Yeah. Do you think it's some sort of exorcism though? Like, by, by making all these things, things have happened to JT rather than to her, huh. do you think that's the coping mechanism? Uh, yeah. We see it, uh, but it suggested that she also, she did the, the phone sex, so she's already mm. used to projecting I'm herself into a, a whole host of you need characters. to watch the author documentary because she talks about this and gets into it and why she made these characters up and these voices. And like be pretending to be speedy as well. Yeah, and really committing yeah. to the character. You should so watch speak. the videos of her playing Speedy. The interviews with her are amazing. Why was Speedy British? <laughs> um, oh, it's because she explains it. Speedy came about when she was like 17 when she met this like anarchist punk kid that she thought was so hot and she knew she didn't know how why he would talk to her so she decided like he would love like a you know cool british girl okay. so he she developed his british accent to impress this boy and that's how speedy came okay. about but that's dissociative disorder yeah she suffered dissociative disorder yeah. and by by uh her involvement too. Yeah. Savannah mentions it as well. I started dissociating from myself and becoming more and more mm -hmm. this character and feeling more empowered yeah. by being this character in the way that people responded to me. You don't have any of your insecurities or baggage. You can just get rid of it because you're someone else. And free. especially from those sorts of people, the Hollywood elite, musicians, you know, yeah. people of big public profiles mm -hmm. yeah. and publishers uh, and again because the film has to be much more tentative about the associations it becomes less 
But I think it could have been an almost more fascinating story to do uh, Laura's youth and growing up and up to the point of her creating Jason. Forget about the celebrities and the fame of that, but the creation of these characters I think are amazing and fascinating. Her background and like essentially the real JT Leroy, her real mm. life and the real abuse that she had to deal with. But do you think someone who's making an avatar to put these past events onto could talk about those events in a way? I think she could now, and I think she has now sort of dealt with it more. Was it her intention when she created the JT Leroy persona on the phone? Yeah. Did she believe or even think about the fact that it could get to the stage where people are going to start to request to meet? No, I don't. JT Leroy. No. Was that part of her? She her wrote it. Plan it was, all well, along? I think she mentions it in here, or maybe it's just in the documentary that um, it was because she was talking to a therapist using the JT yes. Leroy voice, and the, the therapist asked her to write down these stories as a way of dealing with the issues and then she sent it to him and then someone else who had written a book about drug addiction and he was so impressed by her that eventually through that she got an agent and it like the ball just kept rolling so it was really it was just a therapy tool that she wrote there. but again it's interesting that she did then not choose herself yeah. to be jt leroy she sought something outside herself. Well, can you imagine her then going around to the therapist and say, it was all a lie, it was never me. She wouldn't. She would just keep, I think she would just keep going with it. It's crazy because it, it, it actually seems to work perfectly well in Hollywood. It's like a piece of performance yeah, art. So is. I don't understand why everyone who was so offended by it and offended by it when it was revealed wouldn't feel, actually turn around and say, that's so that actually was quite cool that you did that. Yeah. It's because they're embarrassed. Well, yeah, of course. And also... They feel like they're a yeah. part of a joke, which they're not really. Yeah. But she's not, they, I don't think she's making fun of anyone. No. no. I don't think that was her intention. But, but the, these are like... These are, these are Hollywood-known celebrities who've been talking about the real-life events, events of JT Leroy and how impactful they've been on them and why they want to tell their story. And then to find out potentially those things aren't true makes you look like a fool, I think, is how people perceive that. I also think if anyone had ever lived through even one of the horrific things that happened in those books and related to it and felt something and then found out someone had made it up, maybe not completely, maybe there is something in the background around that, but like, they would feel really betrayed. Yeah, they would feel, yeah, exactly. It's hard to to think in that moment, it doesn't matter if it's made up or not, it happened to me in this moment, you feel immediately betrayed. It helped them because they didn't feel alone and then they found out actually they were alone because it wasn't. In some of the articles I read about it after it had been uh, released Hmm. and exposed is that the, the people writing the articles were less inclined to feel any sympathy for the Hollywood elite. Yeah. You know, who are so desperate to Clash align on, themselves yeah. with something they think is authentic yeah. and yeah. trendy. Uh, you know, and, and their motivations were suspect anyway to yeah. getting involved. Well, they were person. taking advantage of JT as well. Of they course. were abusing of her mm-hmm. for their own means. Yeah. And look at me, I'm... Yeah. Yeah, I recommend association. Yeah. Yeah. But the articles were less inclined to be sympathetic to Savannah and, and uh, Laura with any uh, individual who had been through that experience who might have met them somewhere along the way you know, at a book signing or something who were saying thank you 
for being yeah. the voice for this. They said those those individuals who had been through those same experiences, they are the people who yeah. were really, really tragically betrayed yeah. by this. And that's where the Interestingly, and I don't know if they mentioned in the book that it was her husband, Savannah's brother, and his best friend, who were the ones who put the nail in the coffin and revealed the story. Well, they should have the movie. Yeah, they have, yeah. they have him on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was, yeah. I think probably the real life details are much more ruthless well, and, than and, we're... And Laura says it as well. It's that her, well, I think they worked together at the point that he, like, phones up the New York Times and was the one who said, this is what happened. And I think I feel like, especially in the movie, in the book, you do get a lot of jealousy from this character. You get more of the sense of him getting fed up as yeah. he continues along. It's bad. But I did find it interesting that it didn't the the relationship between Savannah and Laura didn't always didn't seem to be that self aware. I don't. I'm not sure they sat down and had many conversations with each other throughout throughout this. Yeah. There would be moments when I think Savannah would get a little bit tired. Yeah, and I think they probably got into the, those nerves. The yeah. demand, but Laura really seemed to be driving. Because even even at the point of it exploding, she yeah. seemed to have a, this idea that oh, everything's going to yeah. right itself. Let's not get too upset about this. Yeah. Uh, worried we can do that. this. We can do this. We can do this. And then, of course, it gets yeah. quite beyond all that. I mean, it, it is very difficult when the history is being written by the very people who are involved in it because you're not sure then yeah. what they're trying to justify and how much of the truth they're willing to tell us. Totally, yeah, and you can see that by the stories that Savannah chooses to share, like the excerpts and kind of anecdotes that are chosen to share. Like, because like you say, it's over such a, uh, a vast period of time that all this stuff is taking place, and you get like a dozen a dozen anecdotes, maybe like 15 nights worth of, of actual events, which doesn't, doesn't really give you a feel of what it was like to kind of be living year on out this yep. this dual kind of persona thing. Yep. You only get glimpses of it when you've got her, is it, is it George, the boy she's dating? Oh, yeah, his name is probably, um, let's call him George. Yeah, but like that, he's, like, he's like the only barometer of like her Savannah's life interweaving with JT, like her telling him what she's been doing yeah. and how he reacts to it is the only kind of. But even that is her recounting those conversations. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she does have a relationship in the book as well with a guy. Yeah, yeah. They but she only talks about that, doesn't she, in the preface that she's on a road trip with him? I thought she talked about him later oh, on. Oh, maybe forgot about that bit. Yeah. I think I've sure pressed that whole lesson. But I think that was the only part of the book I thought that she had a, any relationship. So I was very confused by the fact that they, in, in, I thought they invented a conventional no, sure relationship in the book. Yeah, no, it's because it's when she's in college she meets him and he's kind of this androgynous looking Asian guy. Yeah, but I thought that was a very quick, brief Well, it's because affair. she was dating him when she met Asia. Well, yeah, really. In the book as well, and the relationship kind of ended because she fell in love with Azia. 
second. But there is a point in both, I think, the film and the book where he says, I want you to stop. Yes. Yes, yes, there is. So he is aware. Well, not in that day. I think in the, in the, in the book she comes home and says, I'm going to stop. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he's, like, grateful that she's come to that conclusion on her own terms. But he didn't want to tell her not to, but yeah. he wanted to. Yeah, okay. And it's only because when she gets invited back to the film set that she starts it up again. Yeah. And kind of gets pulled back in, I think, if I remember correctly. But it just, I, I feel like the book and the film is just the wrong perspective on this story. Like, there's so much to it that's fascinating. You can kind of really keep going and mm. delving into it. But I don't know, this is the probably the least interesting, this is the most superficial bit of it. Yeah, yeah. The deeper I got, the less interested I was. Like, I don't, I, I don't um, know why do I care about a lot of these. Like, a lot of the stories she's telling me, like you say, it's just not the part you want to hear about. Oh, no, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, not like Nora said, it's superficial stuff. It's like, the stuff that Savannah seemed interesting, but just based on the stories she picks to turn the book, are like, the people she got to meet and interact yeah, with. Yeah. Which I get, like, everyone is starstruck to say. Yeah, to- yeah, totally, but that feels like such a surface-level thing, like... Especially if you're going to... S- I mean, I don't even know... I don't... When did this come out, this book? Because I'm just thinking, like, what, what would even the original book jacket be? Or, like, well, how would you promote uh, this before there was a 2008. film? Oh, okay, so quite a while ago. It's actually yeah. less recent. And that's thought. a few years after the... Yeah. The, it was 2005 yeah, is when they got found out. Um, but, yeah, I think marketing this book pre-film... It's probably even hard. Like, oh, I don't know who the, the audience photo is, really. was the photo of her, this, but in colour, of the original book. That, that was, was the cover. cover. Yeah. Okay. Well, just people are interested in J.P. Leroy, I guess. Mm. But if if people like you who had actually read the book when it was coming out didn't know about this, mm. I had and no yeah, idea. I read both books, really loved them. Uh, like, like, watching the movie, I was the, the movie follows fairly straightforward. Straightforward yeah. in terms of the book, what the book gives you, the movie gives you basically the same the same narrative points. There's still moments I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And I'd read the book and read the two other books, and I was a bit like. I don't understand how this all holds together. Like, yeah. because you're missing a big chunk of it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the film was e- well, the film was even briefer and like more surface level than yeah. the book. Like, I felt yeah. like I gave a bit of a shit about the book. Yeah. Maybe I'd be less confused with the movie having not read the book because every, every time they introduce them I'm like who are they meant to be yeah because they can't use their names I'm like oh that's meant to be them and then yeah. sometimes I'm like oh they're no one they're just for the movie there's a real revolving door of characters in the book as well they like to be unique once and then never have yeah. an interaction yeah, 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 yeah. so it's hard yeah. to I mean, half the jeopardy when you're reading those sequences in the book is is someone going to discover yeah, yeah. that she's not real and spoiler alert no one ever fucking does <laughs> <laughs> fun fact the kid from The Heart Deceitful that plays JT Leroy as a child is the child that Asa Argento had the affair with that she went to court for. Yeah. Did you know about this? No. I read up on this as well, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, isn't it? So, I don't have the least facts here. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I, like I knew about this before. Well, they slept together when he was like 16, 17. Yeah. But this was after the film, but that's where they met. Is yeah. He played... JT Leroy as a child in this film and they became okay. friends and then when he was a teenager they slept together. I There's a lot of like for the film to have worked it needed to uh, it was filmed in a very slick yeah. fashion. Mm. Very shiny. Very shiny. If, if, if any film lends itself to being a little bit rougher 
looking yeah. or more low budget looking to give you a great sense of what was happening but it, yeah. it was so is that the TV movie version of the oh, JT the Royal it's story? It's like a lifetime <laughs> sort of version of it. Yeah, which is really bizarre. Didn't it? Um, Justin Kelly, didn't they do James Franco films before this? I forgot what they were. Because he did two other films. Because I'm a little bit nervous. He's doing the adaptation of my favorite like YA story. Um, I was a teenage fairy. Do you know this? It's this like LA Manic Pixie Dream Girl like queer story okay. um, and he's doing the adaptation of it King Cobra I am Michael yeah, King Cobra. Yeah. Welcome the Stranger uh, other Justin Kelly movies yeah. but you uh, you just want to know more about I'm sure that they attended Hollywood parties but what else did they do yeah. there had to be other elements and dimensions to what they did and even sometimes spending longer than we would just see a scene at a Hollywood party. Yeah. But they obviously spent time overnight yeah. at some of these places. So how was it to continue? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. One of the most interesting scenes in both the movie um, and the book is the scene where JT or Savannah gets invited to stay at, uh, what's her name? Argento? Is that her name? Yeah, Ada House. And when she gets there, oh, yeah. she thinks it's going to be like a romantic kind yeah, of, yeah. just the two of them. Thing. And she gets she's there, sleeping. And there's a guy there. Uh, that that kind of human interaction is like really interesting. Like the how the, the, the situations that this endeavour has put you in. That's the most one of the most interesting scenes. Like going to a party is like I, I can imagine what a Hollywood party is like. I can't imagine what going to a ho- like a Hollywood actor's house is like thinking you're going to have this romantic liaise with them and how a, like like a quite fragile person deals with this weird rejection and yeah. how that how that then impacts the two lives they're portraying to this one person. Yes. That's genuinely fascinating and interesting. I thought Diane Kruger was definitely miscasting for the role as well. She was a very odd choice. I thought Laura Dern was massively miscast. Like, she was not Laura to me. No. In the, like, I love Laura I mean, Dern. She yeah. looks love a lot like lies, her. But she, know. She does, like, not the Laura I had in my head. She's not that And also, she's not a hippie. If you listen to any interviews with her, she does not talk like that. <laughs> she doesn't say man like every five words. You could do like a drinking game to how many times Laura Dern says man. It's, Ridiculous. Yeah, it's so over the top and like this pastiche of like what. And she's, you know, she, uh, she's even described by Savannah in the, in the book as she's the person who enters a room and electrifies mm, yeah. the air and wants all of the yeah. attention sucked into up to her. Yes, and that's certainly not the performance we get. Yeah, yeah. That we no. get in, in she's just a, a, like a loose hippie, like stoner in the. But to film. make Savannah interesting, you need Laura. Like, and she you need the balance of the two. Yeah. Just really felt like that character was entirely lost. Yeah, yeah, I don't think any of the casting was really that good in this. No. And it's interesting because Kristen Stewart has I been very androgynous on screen, and mm. this actually was probably the least convincing. <laughs> I think all of them, like of all of them, are yeah. amazing actors. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. I'm like, I'm not saying I don't enjoy those particular yeah. actors, but I just don't think they were right for this project. Maybe, maybe the the story of Jake the Roy's more well known than I realised. Yeah. The four of us seems like maybe like surface level aware of, of yeah. the JT the Royal story. But it almost feels like I know the book doesn't follow this narrative, but if you do the movie version of it and you 
have this person, this JT the Roy character, presented to as JT the Roy, and then it's only like half an hour and hour into the movie that you reveal that it's this woman called Savannah playing this character, and then you start to unravel what. That's really fascinating. You can yeah. explore the explore how this situation arises. But I think you go into the movie in the book with them assuming this is a known quantity, and to hide the fact that JT the Roy is a fictitious character is pointless because everyone already knows. You can't hide it. Like the game's right. already up. But I don't think it is at all. Like everyone, I've, everyone who I know, I've spoken to about coming to this book club, I've had to like. <laughs> take 15 minutes yeah. to try and explain to them the narrative conceit of this yeah. Yeah. The, at real life event like my, my friend Sam at work like was so confused <laughs> as to who Savannah Laura and JT were in relation to each other but I had to like, draw a diagram to explain how these things intersected um, yeah it is sort of they're making assumptions about like how relevant or the place this has in like pop, modern pop culture that I don't think it really does. Yeah. Which is kind of disappointing because it is a fascinating story, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Kind of. But I, I worry the people, the people involved and that potentially have written about it, think don't realise the things that are interesting about it. The things that are presented as interesting are the least interesting. Yes. About it. The psychology behind what they were doing is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Give me a talking head with a psychologist yeah, dissecting so it. Like, I was, I, yeah. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, like, in the book they talk about, and I thought it was weird that Kirsten Stewart didn't do really the southern accent, whereas if you watch interviews with Jane T. Lamore, she does do it, mm-hmm. but Laura Albert's talking about to Savannah that people will just tr- assume and trust you. Because why would you not be the person on the phone and be a fake, be someone else in person? Yeah. So the people are kind of like tricking their minds into believing this person is the same person they were talking to and kind right. of glossing over anything that might the, be odd about it. The thing, that I, yeah. the thing that wasn't explained well enough to me is, did they collaborate? Did Laura say, this is what I said on the phone yes. and this is how I said it? Yeah. So there wasn't such a... Kind of awkward uh, shift. Yeah so much um, having to fill in the right because the person I'm, I'm assuming the person on the phone was quite loquacious yeah. and then you get this mumbling person when he's yeah. physically present so you're thinking how do, how do people who heard you on the phone and now are in front of you and you can't really communicate are going to believe that you are the same person, that there's a, a link between these two. Yeah. They, there had to be some further collaboration between them that I was not given in the book or in the film. Yeah. How did that actually work? What was work? the process of re, you know, preparing when they were going to the its events? Yeah, yeah. But do you think it's, it's like Laura says that, do you think, because we know these people, they want something from JT the Roy, they feel like they can get some value out of this person. So they're, they're almost, Unbelievably willing to accept this person because it it meets their ends. Like it's worse for them if it, it turns out this isn't JT Leroy and all this is bullshit. So it's just easy for them to accept it because it it works with their narrative and what they see coming from this relationship. Yes. It's like the I, I just looked at the name of it. Have you ever seen the documentary The Imposter? No. 
yes, I did see that. Before. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, the imposter is about. Uh, I think it's a Spanish, a Spanish teenager turns up um, to a grieving uh, a Texan, Texan family's home, and claims to be their son who's been missing for three years. Yeah. And it's about how he never shows his face or reveals himself during all these interviews. It becomes such a big media story, and it's about him trying to convince this family that it's him. And obviously, they're grieving and really desperate for this to be, be the case. Yeah. And that's genuinely really fascinating. Because it's yeah. when someone is feeling a tremendous emotional grief or gulf, yeah. Yeah. people will believe what they need and, to believe. And, exactly. just, and just gloss over anything that doesn't fit right. into that yeah. box. And it, it, it's fascinating when she says, I can be on the phone as the sex worker and I can start off with a southern accent and by the end I've dropped it and the person doesn't even realize it anymore yeah. Yeah. because they are now getting what they need from me yeah. and they don't, nothing's going to convince them that I'm not who I was originally. Yeah. That's really fascinating to me, yeah. a fascinating topic and they don't. then you don't get any more I don't know, maybe if you had done it with a bit, I think this this story lends itself, it is a better documentary. Because yes. also there's so much, yeah. so Laura Albert recorded all her phone call conversations. So in the documentaries they showed them. Also they had a lot of video footage of when they were doing events. So there's so much documentation of what was going on. So you can really kind of delve in and see it. Whereas seeing like a film, which is kind of a glossier version of it is less interesting. Do you think it's, it's impacted because of Savannah's heavy like involvement in the movie. Like she's written this book and chosen the the stories and elements she wants to convey from her yeah. story of becoming JT the Roy. And because she's involved in the writing of the script and she's she's in constant contact during the production of the film, the film does just become the visual version of, of this novel. Whereas if she wasn't involved, do you think Justin Kelly could have added and you would hope that he could have pull, pulled out could, more of the, more of that. If they could have done, he could have done. I felt like more of a story about the queer trans aspect of it as well, which again was only very surface level and was only really the conversation in the car where Laura says to her, "Oh, you date guys?" or like at questioning her, and she's like. You know, it depends. And that was like, that was it for having a conversation about her sexual preferences, which someone could have really kind of gone into. And they don't really talk about the trans thing either in the. No, I mean, wearing a binder, I think. But that's about it. And she's just like, yeah. yeah and you see, you see Kristen Stewart do it once in the movie. Yeah, but it, yeah. at least it makes more sense in the book because it, it's, it's given the, the, for the people like Asia Argento yeah. become quite intimate with her. That, Gender reassignment surgery, surgery has been undergone, oh, and yeah. she says they did a good job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't tell the difference. Really good job. Really good job. Like, hmm, would you not be able to? How much this cost you? This is impeccable. Uh, <laughs> I'll take one. <laughs> yeah, I'll have one of those. But in the film, because it's not at all even, because the, they the don't actually have sex, up, though. Yeah, the, I guess yeah. they don't really have sex, but you could still think. At least I could understand someone's psychology for getting that close to them. Would if you explained that that's what's happened. Yeah. Any more ready to be accepted. But and also in the, the book, she talks about the fact that like Asia didn't really get upset when she found out because she probably already 
figured it out by then. There's a lot of points I'm sure where Savannah's like, oh, she probably already knows, but she just doesn't say anything. Yeah. Like, so it's kind of like she wants to believe it. She wants. Yeah, yeah. So is that, is that, is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. It suits, it suits her narrative for it to be the truth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, yeah. And the film too is really frustrating in the sense that it just wants to assign them conventional character arcs too. They go through this tremendous experience just so she can get to the end where she's a writer as herself and one of her own signings. I'm not even sure ever happened. And Kristen Stewart can say, I'm going off now to New York. I've now found myself. Well, that's not even true to the characters. No. As I'm sure would happen. So why would would the film want to have a very conventional ending? Yeah, exactly. It's supposed to be this like fascinating sort of queer, you know, character. Because I think Justin Kelly, I feel like he's attracted to the story because of that queer trans element as well, and sort of what was going to be her dealing with her sexuality through this character and those type of questions. But he doesn't actually go into it at all. Yeah, but but and again, though, do you think that's because Savannah doesn't go into it in the book? Yeah, I guess. She doesn't actually talk about it. She's just like in a relationship. She never thinks of, doesn't reflect. No, there's not there's a lot no of, there's, re- there's no self-reflection on why she's doing this. And that's why I think the film also becomes quite timid because it wants to explain, it, to make us understand as an audience of the two characters that we're now sitting down talking about this. We're both very aware of it. <laughs> and we're having these earnest conversations about our identities, which I'm sure is, is not true to the facts either and it, it grants Kristen Stewart that moment suddenly where she takes command at that outdoor uh, appearance oh, yeah. and she starts turning the tables on the people who are asking her questions like, I'm sure that never happened I don't from what I'm get granted here these this person doesn't have this kind of self-awareness to suddenly become uh, in control of the situation, and there, and there's Laura's applauding her from the, the side seat. Yeah, I, I wonder. I didn't really even watch the documentary. I couldn't really tell what their relationship is now. Hmm. If they have one, I mean, I suppose she has a nephew, and what the what the three not of them, the their relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not in the film. But whether or not they communicate and how they feel about the situation, especially having this had this book and film come out now, what the Laura thinks about it. Has Laura been able to continue writing? I think she still does. Is she for oh articles? no, so she wrote for a Gus Van Sant film actually afterwards, Elephant. She did. Yeah, she wrote. Oh, yeah. She did a script for him because they remained friends afterwards, and she wrote a draft script and was an associate producer on it. So she has continued doing some media work and she's things like that. not shunned. No, but clearly she's just a good writer. Like it doesn't beyond what thinking, whatever yeah, happened. Yeah. Beyond what happened, does that invalidate her, what is... Her talent. What is there? Would, would that make you read it differently if you hadn't read it? When you I did not know wish that. I hadn't read any of this, so I could just appreciate the books. Yeah. What that, it just kind of makes it messy and I don't know I think because I do have that kind of nostalgic connection to them though I remember reading them at a very young age and them being quite influential so I think that's probably why I feel that way but yeah. do you think the books still hold up? because you she's read an them amazing knowing writer. it yeah. Yeah, yeah I read them after reading um, 
this. Yeah. Go, and go, you still go, felt yeah. like it had but it's power. Interesting, yeah. I don't think then, if, if your only relationship is with the book and the text and the words, mm-hmm. and then you see the individual who wrote them, should that really affect how you perceive or receive what you've just read? Mm-hmm. If you saw that and said, look at a picture of J.T. Leroy as they created yeah. J.T. Leroy, or see a picture of Laura, would it make a difference? But it shouldn't know. If it's fiction as well. It's I think fiction. it depends how you related to the text though. Like I related to it in an appreciation of the writing. I didn't think, oh my gosh, that's my story and someone's speaking for me. You know, that's a very different experience. And I think you would react very differently if that was your It does make you question the motivation of, isn't it? Like why why is this being presented to me under the guise of JT Leroy in this backstory rather than Laura Albert presented to me as If you don't know Laura's background, which I still don't really like, yeah. I haven't seen yeah. the documentary, there is a, a sense and this is a real like tightrope walk and I don't necessarily believe it, but as devil's advocate, there is a sense of using someone else's trauma to your own advantage. So like coming up with something that's so messed up and horrific and you know, all these awful things happen. And you're just using the worst parts of someone else's life to create a name, not a name, I guess, because that's the whole point, but to create a career for yourself, I guess. There's just, I don't know. I don't think there was ever any ill te- intent. I don't know. No, that I don't either, think there though. was either, but I can see how it might be viewed that way. People would jump if to none the of assumption. these things ever happened to you. Yeah. I kind of wish it's, Laura actually wrote her story, though. Like, yeah. I feel like maybe she can't because it was too difficult. For her, because in the documentary talks about like her father's best friend abused her when she was an infant. Mm. Like so, for her to actually deal with those situations is harder yeah. than dealing with a fake person's abuse. Yeah, yeah, um, that's why yeah. I, d- I know there is stuff like that in her background. So I'm not saying she just took yeah. all these stories and you know essentially made it all up to get attention. I don't yeah. think that is true. I do think it was probably just a way of processing what happened to her. It's just a but, shame that she couldn't write them using her her name mm. and again you don't owe anyone anything other than what yeah. voice is no. in the novel yeah. if they had said you have these things happen to you all she needed to say is mm-hmm. perhaps perhaps yes not yeah. but it's it's a work of fiction yeah. Yeah. some of some of me may be in there no, but, but you know, it's not it as it you know I, it's not your right to ask me yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. what what is true and what is not true, just read the work. And judge it as that. Because they said too that one observance that Savannah had is that the, the people would accept certain quirks and certain behaviors from JT Leroy because that worked into their personification of the person who created yeah, yeah, this yeah. and they would not have treated Laura the same way mm-hmm. or even Savannah outside of yeah. her. Do you think it's kind of an image thing though? Because I think like particularly at the time like, my friendship group, oh, I'll hold my hands up, read this book because Pete Wentz, a fallout boy, told them to. Like, oh, yeah. that is, so there was very much that kind of scene at the time of androgynous boys and girls falling in love with them. And I wonder if, like, Laura wouldn't have been yeah. a part of that, but this creative character, mm. JT Woods, so maybe even if, like, she'd have come out and put her name on the author page, this it wouldn't have had that woman. cool yeah. cult, like, it wouldn't have got to this level. It wouldn't have got to Hollywood. It wouldn't have got to those names. Don't know that though. But also, no. But I, but I wonder if that's why, in part, the character was created because it just really fit with what was happening in culture at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying entirely, but I think that could have contributed, certainly from my experience of why, why I read it and the group of people that was talking about it. Like, 
And I think also she probably knows to a certain extent that people are going to be less interested if they know it's a, you know, overweight 40-year-old mother mm -hmm. living in Brooklyn, uh, not Brooklyn, in San Francisco. Um, and they do talk about how she's yeah. like gained loads of weight and lost loads of weight and she really yeah. struggles with her self-image. So actually it's probably much easier to project a completely different Someone who she thinks is cool yourself. and has it, yeah. you know, versus herself. But she could have also made the choice never to have JT Leroy personified. Yeah. She could have said he's just, he's terribly timid and does not want to be seen in public. Yeah. Yeah. And just be like Jamie and I, Salinger or and something. And I still think that would have been enough of a would cult. Have, that would have worked. That mm. people would have still been yeah, attracted. It's yeah. enough of a cult because you get celebrities turning up to read yeah. the yeah. books for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And if know? she just had stuck with that, maybe it ended better. Yeah, it's just it's just interesting how that got away from both of them. Yeah, and I think that's what happened. It got away from them. It kind of just developed a life of its own, and they lost control of it. Yeah, the one thing leads into the next, which feeds into the next. Yeah, into the next. Before before you know it, you've signed a movie deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fortunately. Yeah. Well, this is too, but as, as Tadada says in the book too, and it it's uh, this is germane to, to an artist in any medium. It's that she goes. You can inhabit many and uh, multiple consciousnesses. That's what you do as a as an artist. Yes. Whether you do it in a book or a film or a play or music, you're allowed that space to do that. And that's really what they thought they were doing. It was just another way to perform. And and she should have every right to write those novels. Mm, yeah, of course. In that voice. And I'm sure I'm sure a lot of her background informed it. So. Oh, did you know that her literary agent, and I don't know if this is still true, is Dennis Cooper's, Cooper's literary agent? He still is. I don't know, but he was at the time the at books the, were the being published. That was her agent, which is kind of interesting. Very, They obviously glad themselves <laughs> yeah. together. Um, so we recommend the story that is not in the book or the film. <laughs> you should go out and look for it. Hopefully it's somewhere. And perhaps the one other documentary, the name oh, of which I called? forget now. So there's author and then author's the one that Laura Albert produced. Like and the then Secret Life of J.T. Leroy or something. Or the Life of. But, it's, but that is then from a perspective of someone who wasn't directly involved. Mm -hmm. So that might, just someone who can put an objective view social view, maybe a social scientific view of what was going on with all of the people involved. So to anyone listening, please watch the documentary. <laughs> and I, I, I want to look around now for any writing Laura Albert has done, maybe post this to see. So when, when did it come out that Savannah was playing J.T. Laura, do you know? Oh, 2005. 2005, okay. Yeah, is when they... Because... Uh, Laura Roberts slash JT the Roy's last book came out in 2005, Howard's End. So I'm not sure if it was pre or post oh, the revelation. I don't know. Did you read that one? No, that's the one I haven't read yet. Howard's or Harold's End? I can't remember. What is it? Is it, is, is it through the JT the Roy character it was written or Laura Albert? I think it was probably in the JT the Roy, but I'm not sure if that was just. Um, Easy if the Amazon list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Howard's End as in The Inheritance. Isn't mm -hmm. that the book that. It plays a role in yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, if she's doing like any, if she has continued doing writing and polishing anything else, would be as herself or just 
I think for many writing. years she was probably mired in some legal battles. Legal battles. Because <laughs> she did get, she got sued by the film company. Yeah, she but, did. but also, she eventually, I think she won. Well, they dropped the suit because because it was a pseudonym, it was allowed. So, I mean, and I think enough people knew that it was a pseudonym that it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't like a real secret, almost. Like, I feel like they weren't trying to hide it because enough people knew within their circle that it, it was just kind of unspoken, almost. But then there are moments of real fear that they're going to get found out, and if that was true, then why yeah, they care? Yeah, it feels like the people, the people who don't know, I think Savannah's are the people with like financial investments yeah, in, this, in this not being bullshit. I think Savannah, because she knows she doesn't really have anything else, because she's just a waitress and kind of a student, she doesn't have anything to fall back on. Laura's will always be a writer, um, so she will always have that. So she's kind of fine with whatever happens, almost. But the only time Savannah ever breaks away from it is when she. Brief. I, she's doing the thing with design, isn't yeah. she? And she's got a little studio, and she's going to school, and she's learning. And that feels like the only time she can break away from being JT is when Savannah's life has actually got some direction and purpose that she can kind of invest herself in. But then she still gets pulled back in because she's got this kind of this craving addiction. Is she a fashion designer now? She did do, um, I think they talked about it. she did a brand called Tink. Mm, at the very end they do, but I don't know how far. It kind of stops just as it's mm, getting started. Yeah. You don't really I get think, like a full. I think she she does, I, I kind of, I looked her up briefly and she still does some fashion-y stuff. Okay. And like maybe performance art, something. New York City based artist and filmmaker. Wow, she does not look how I thought she would. Savannah? Mm. I mean, she's in the... Yeah. When she was she young, she awesome. and Kirsten Stewart look alike, I think, actually. Mm. Yeah. They have a similar sort of... Mm. Too bad she's played so poorly. <laughs> I like this, This is good. Yeah. So I think that concludes our... Well, discussion? Uh, discussion. discussion. Yes. <laughs>